You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. For Jeremiah chapter 6, in your Bibles, we're continuing our series, and Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. Jeremiah preached and he he wept and he pleaded and he begged God's people to turn back and to get right with God. But Jeremiah did not change the message just because the people would not listen. Uh, Jeremiah kept preaching. And by the way, uh, that's what we're planning to do here till Jesus comes. We'll keep preaching the Bible. You say, what if it's not popular? Well, it doesn't matter if it's popular. What matters is what the Bible says and what thus saith the Lord. And it, truth is not relative, and, and truth is not evolving, and truth is not changing. This book, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven, and this book does not change. Verse number one, O ye children of Benjamin, gather yourselves to flee out of the midst of Jerusalem and blow the trumpet in Tekoa and set up a sign of fire in Beth Hasarim. For evil appeareth out of the north and great destruction. I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. The shepherds with their flocks shall come unto her. They shall pitch their tents against her round about, and they shall feed everyone in his place. Verse 4, prepare ye war against her. Arise and let us go up at noon. Woe unto us, for the day goeth away, and for the shadows of the evening are stretched out. Arise, and let us go by night, and let us destroy her palaces. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts as we look at your word tonight. Lord, may the Bible, may it come alive. Uh, may we tonight, may we take the Bible, and not just for facts, and not just for information, but may we take the Bible and may we apply it to our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, point out and show us areas in our lives that need to change and things that need improvement, things that need to be corrected. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give each and every one of us what we need from the Word of God tonight. We know that it's a living book. We know that it's a powerful book. We know that it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. And we know that this book is a mirror. And I pray that this mirror would show us our spiritual condition tonight. And then, Lord, may we make the changes necessary that we might be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We see in verse number one that judgment was coming for God's people. I want to remind you tonight, and I want to remind all of us tonight, that God always judges sin. He always judges sin. Now, sometimes we think we get away with it, don't we? Maybe, uh, maybe it's like the child that, that gets away with something and punishment doesn't come right away. And so that child says, oh, I got away with it. I can do it again. Well, a child may get away with something or uh, an employee may get away with something or a student may get away with something. But the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And we don't get away with it. God always judges sin. Judgment was coming for Judah. Judgment was coming for God's people because of their backslidden condition. It says in verse number one, blow the trumpet. It says set up a sign of fire. Literally, Jeremiah is saying you need to sound the trumpet. You need to sound the alarm. 
He said, you need to get the fire going and you need to send up some smoke signals. You need to get everybody's attention and you need to let them know that it is serious that God will judge his people for their sin. Now, there were many false prophets at the time who said, no, no, this is God's people. We're, we're Judah. We've got Jerusalem. We've got the temple. We've got the law. And oh, God would never, ever punish his people. I got news for you. Because we are his people, that's all the more reason why God will judge us. It's just like when you have children, you don't punish everybody else's children, but you are responsible for your children. And God deals with his children. He deals with his people. And God was uh, preparing to judge them. It says in verse number one, it says evil appeareth out of the north and great destruction. That term evil appeareth is literally the idea that the evil was, it was just lurking. It was just waiting. It's almost as if the evil was, was looking over the ridge, just waiting to strike. Judgment was coming. Verse two, it says, I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and a delicate woman. That word comely means lovely. The word delicate means dainty. Now, those are descriptions of Jerusalem, but those aren't good descriptions when you're getting ready for war. Jerusalem would not be able to defend themselves. Jerusalem would not be able to hold off the attacks of the Babylonian army. And God warned them, verse 3, said, The shepherds with their flocks shall come unto her. They shall pitch their tents against her round about, and they shall feed everyone in his place. It's an interesting verse. It's an interesting metaphor. But literally what this is referring to, it's not talking about shepherds. It's not talking about sheep. Sheep. Uh, sheep. It's not talking about sheep. It's talking about generals. It's talking about soldiers. It's talking about armies. And the metaphor is just like a shepherd and the sheep would take over a field and just like the shepherd and the sheep would come and would take over an area. The enemies of God's people would literally come and they would completely encompass and completely engulf the area of Jerusalem and would literally come and take over Jerusalem. Notice verse number four. It says, prepare ye war against her. Arise and let us go up at noon. That word prepare, it literally means to sanctify. It means to set apart. It means the enemy is getting prepared. They're getting ready. They're getting geared up. They're all set. They're ready to strike. They have uh, done all of their due diligence and they are coming and they are ready. Now, notice what it says in verse number four. It says, arise and let us go up at noon. The enemy that would come against Jerusalem, they were so intense. This enemy was so eager to attack that this enemy was not waiting for a convenient time. This enemy was not waiting for the morning hours or the evening hours or not planning. The enemy said, we're here. It's noon. It's the hottest time of the day. But we're not waiting. We are going to attack and we are going against God's people. The enemy was so insistent upon destroying God's people. 
It says in verse number um, four, let us go up at noon. Woe unto us for the day goeth away for the shadows of the evening are stretched out. They said the sun's going down, but we're not going to stop. We're not going to sleep until our job is finished. Can I tell you, that sounds like the enemy that we have today. And I'm not talking about the enemy in Washington, D.C. of politicians. I'm not talking about the enemy that we have in, in a, you know, a Raleigh Hall. What are we going to do? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about your coworkers. I'm not talking about uh, your family members. I'm not talking about the people in your neighborhood. I'm talking about the real enemy that you and I have. His name is Satan. And he's eager. And he's not holding back. And he's not waiting for a convenient time. He's coming after you with everything he's got. His mission is to destroy your marriage, your home, your family, your children, your testimony. He wants to discourage you. He wants to defeat you. He wants to get you out of this book. He wants to get you out of church. He wants to get you out of serving God. He wants to do everything he can to destroy your life. He is an enemy. The Bible tells us that we are to be sober and be vigilant, be on guard, because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Can I tell you, the devil's serious about battle. The devil is serious about war. Hold your place in Jeremiah 6. And would you turn with me, please, to Deuteronomy 20? Back to Deuteronomy 20, please. It's amazing to me how Satan prepares for the battle. It's amazing to me how Satan is unleashing all of his fiery darts and all of his demons, and Satan is launching an attack against God's people. The Bible tells us the Babylonians, they were prepared. They were ready. They were geared up for battle. But isn't it amazing that so many times as Christians, we treat the battle very casually? We're in a battle. We know we're in a battle. The Bible tells us we're to put on the whole armor of God. The Bible tells us that we're to fight the good fight of faith. But many times we act like it's just a game. We act like it's just for fun. I want to tell you, the Christian life is a battle. Lester Roloff used to made that song. Uh, I don't know if he wrote it, but he made it uh, famous. Uh, he sang, it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. He said, run if you want to, run if you will. But I came here to stay. And can I tell you, as Christians, it's time to fight. It's time to get ready for the battle. Notice Deuteronomy 20, verse number 1. It says, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when ye are come nigh unto the battle that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people. You know what God's people were commanded to do when it came time for the battle? Now, we're talking about a physical battle in Deuteronomy 20. But God's people were commanded to prepare spiritually, even though it was a physical battle. Even though it was a battle with flesh and blood, they were still commanded to be prepared spiritually. God said, hey, get the priest. 
Have the man of God come. Uh, get a blessing from God. Get a word from God. Get a message for God. Uh, get an encouragement uh, from God before you go to battle. Verse 3. And ye shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not, do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Boy, I tell you, when we, uh, well, before we leave the house in the morning, we ought to be geared up for battle. Before we, before we uh, get in the car and go to work, we ought to be geared up for battle. You say, I know, I've been, I've been meaning to give that boss a piece of my mind. I'm not talking about that kind of battle. You say, you know, Pastor, it's funny you mention that. I'm about ready just to tell my husband a thing or two. No, 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 I'm not talking about that kind of battle. I'm not talking about marital wars. I'm talking about spiritual wars. I'm talking about a spiritual battle and being prepared for the battle. Uh, I want to ask you this. Do you go to war? Do you go to battle without God? a scary thing to think that sometimes we face the day and we face the devil and we face the enemies and we face the battle and we haven't even thought to pray we haven't even thought to get the sword of the spirit which is the word of god historians tell us that war in ancient times was never undertaken without religious ceremonies People in ancient times, in ancient civilizations, before they ever thought about going into a battle, they would prepare spiritually. And may God help us to prepare spiritually for the battles that we will face. May God help us to get in the Bible and to get in prayer. And may God help us to get in church. And may God help us to get some preaching and some teaching and to get some devotions. And may God help us for the battles that we're facing. I'll tell you this. Without God's help, it's already lost. Without God's help, you might as well forget about it. You, you might as well not even go out. You might as well not even face the battle if you're going in your own strength. But we see in verse number uh, uh, four and five here, of uh, verse number four of uh, Jeremiah chapter six, the enemy prepared, the enemy was set apart, the enemy was ready for battle. But what about us? What about us in our, our Christian lives? Are we ready for the battle that God has for us? Are we ready for the victory that God has already won if we'll claim it? Go back with me, Jeremiah 6, please. Verse number 6. It says, For thus hath the Lord of hosts said, Hew ye down trees and cast a mound against Jerusalem. This is the city to be visited. She is holy oppression in the midst of her. Verse number 6. They were, to, uh, they were going to cut down the trees and they were going to build fortresses and, and build a mount and build a, a, a mound up against Jerusalem to be fortified to fight against Jerusalem. Verse 7, notice why the judgment was coming. It says, as a fountain casteth out her waters, so she, that is Jerusalem, casteth out her wickedness. Violence and spoil is heard in her before me continually as grief and wounds. Jerusalem was wicked and violent, and, and the, the spoil was a result of her wickedness. Grief and wounds that came because of her sin. Verse number 8 says, Be thou instructed. Literally means be corrected. Listen, pay attention. Be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from thee, lest I make thee desolate a land not inhabited. Here we see 
the loving heart of God pleading and saying, please, would you listen? Please, would you make some changes? Please, would you turn this thing around before it's too late? God pleading with his people. Verse number nine, Judah would be judged, it says, as a vine is gleaned and as grapes are gathered into the baskets. Verse 10, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. How sad. God's people, they had the Old Testament law. They had the words of God, but they didn't listen. They didn't heed. They did not hearken. They did not obey what they knew and how they knew to do. It tells us in verse number 10, although God warned them, God gave them a way to escape. They should have been rejoicing. They should have been thanking God. They should have said, thank you, Lord, for, for saving us. But the Bible says instead, they turned a deaf ear. The Bible tells us that the word of God became a reproach. There was no joy. There was no delight. There was nothing about God's word that they wanted. Verse 11, therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I'm weary withholding in i will pour it upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together for even the husband with the wife shall be taken and the aged with him that is full of days it's interesting in verse number 11 we see that no one was exempt the bible says in verse number 11 the children would be affected the young men would be affected the husbands Verse number uh, 12, and the wives would be affected. It says the aged and him that is full of days, from the youngest to the oldest, everyone would be affected because God's people had turned their back on him. Now, let's think about this for just a minute. I believe that the children in our master clubs, I believe that they have the opportunity to learn the Bible. Aren't you glad for that? They can learn it, they can memorize it, they can obey it, they can do those things. And I think every person is responsible for themselves. We believe in uh, individual responsibility. But what would happen if this church, what would happen if the adults in this room, what would happen if we just stopped listening to God? Can I tell you, it wouldn't affect just the adults in this room. It would affect the children. It would affect the babies in the nursery. What about the senior citizens, some of which you are not even here tonight? They can't get out. They, they, they can't come to church. Can I tell you, if we stop listening, if we uh, uh, tuned God out, it wouldn't just affect us. It'd affect the entire church, right? It'd affect everybody. And I want to tell you, I think we ought to listen to God. I think we ought to, 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 to grow spiritually for our own sakes. But even if you don't do it for your own sake, would you say, I'll be willing to do it for the sake of the next generation? I'd be willing to listen to God and do what's right so that we can have something to pass down to our children and our grandchildren. Can I tell you, they will be affected. I think about in our area. I think about how many churches around us have closed their doors. I think about how many churches that you maybe drove by tonight and there's nobody there tonight. And you go by there on Sunday and you might see a car or two or three or four. 
And you might on Sunday night drive by that same place and maybe see one or two cars, maybe. You say, well, are you trying to talk bad about those people? No, I have no idea what those situations are. And except for the grace of God, that could be us. But here's what I'm saying. Those people may have made some choices to say, we're not interested in going to church. We're not interested in preaching. We're not interested in reaching people with the gospel. We're not interested in missions and we're not interested in junior church and we're not interested in sowing. We're not interested in those things. And they may have made that choice for themselves. But what about their children? What about those teenagers? What about those children in the Sunday schools and the nurseries that at one time and now they don't have a church where they can go? And I, I hope they get in a church like this. But I'm just saying, when the judgment of God comes, no one's exempt. We all will be affected. We all will have uh, the, the, uh, the opportunity and the, uh, the responsibility to stand before God at judgment. Verse 12, it tells us that their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and their wives together, for I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land. God's people would lose it all. They would lose everything they had. You know what's so sad is people think that they want what the world has to offer, right? I mean, that's true. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and boy, it all looks so good. It all sounds so good. But here's the problem with the flesh. When you desire the flesh, and you desire the things of the flesh, you desire the temporal, you desire the sinful, you desire the carnal, and you desire those things, you get those things. But when you get those things, you lose what you have. The Bible tells us many times about God's people, they got what they wanted, but they lost what they had. Kind of reminds us of the prodigal son, doesn't it? He said to the father, he said, hey, give me my inheritance. I don't want to wait for it. I want it all right now. And you know what? He got it. But you know what he lost? He lost all that he could have had. He lost the relationship with the father. He lost the joy. He lost the blessing. He lost the, the long-term blessing of the inheritance. He wasted it all. And he found himself in the pig pen by the time he finally woke up. We see that God's people, they lost what they had. Verse number 13, they were all guilty from the least to the greatest, from the prophet to the priest. They all were guilty. Verse 14, they tried to pretend like everything was okay. I want to tell you, watch out. When people backslide, when we get away from God, we will try to convince ourselves, I'm okay. I've got it under control. It's not going to affect me. I can, I can live this way. I can do this. I can, I can be around these people. It's, it's affected everybody else in history, but it's not going to affect me. Notice verse number 14. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. God's people, they tried to convince themselves that everything was okay, but in reality, it was all getting ready to fall apart. Verse number 15, were they ashamed? when they had committed abominations. Abominations are those things that make God sick, literally make God vomit. And these people, God's people, it says, they were not even ashamed. Notice verse 15, were they ashamed? It says, nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, 
shall they fall among them that fall. And at the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. God's people, they no longer were ashamed of their sin. They were no longer able to blush or they were no longer, they no longer even felt the conviction of God about their sin. I tell you, you better watch out and I better watch out because sometimes when we sin, we try to hide it, don't we? And that's a problem because be sure your sin will find you out. But some people will sin, but they'll, they'll try to hide it. They'll try to cover it. They'll, they'll try to keep others from seeing it because although they're doing it, they're ashamed because the Holy Spirit of God speaks to them about it. Uh, maybe it's, I don't know, I'll use this, maybe it's dirty jokes. And maybe there used to be a time that, boy, you didn't want to hear them at work. And maybe eventually you hear them and maybe eventually you start repeating them, but you don't repeat them around certain people. But then eventually, over time, you can become so callous that it doesn't even bother you anymore. Can I tell you, that's something dangerous when you can talk dirty, when you can uh, act immoral, when you can uh, act wickedly and you can do wickedly and it doesn't even bother you anymore because the Holy Spirit of God inside is going to convict you of sin. And the Holy Spirit's going to convict me of sin. And there ought to be a shame of sin. There ought to be conviction of sin. But after tuning out the Holy Spirit for a while, eventually the Holy Spirit will stop speaking. And eventually you'll quench and eventually you'll extinguish the Holy Spirit of God if you don't get right. And if I don't get right, verse number 16. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Also, I set watchmen over you saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. My wife and I for nine years, we lived in Santa Clara, California. We lived right next to an international airport. And we lived really right next to some train tracks where the trains came through many times a day. Anybody ever lived real close to an airport? I mean, like real close to an airport? Got a few of you, okay. How about train tracks? Anybody live real close to train tracks? Okay, many there. You know how that works? When you first move in, first of all, you think the rapture's happening and you're left behind, right? That train comes through in the middle of the night and you think, what just happened? You are scared out of your mind. You, you can't go back to sleep. It feels like the whole place is shaking. And it is very, very disturbing. But what happens over time? Yeah, you get used to it. With that airport, I remember uh, with air, when I was in college, I remember that was when I first realized that I'd be outside and I'd be, uh, be trying to talk to somebody and a plane would go over and you'd have to stop your conversation. You'd be inside on the phone and a plane would go over and you'd have to stop your conversation inside. It, just, it was so loud. Do you know what happened eventually? You didn't even realize it. You didn't even notice it. You just got used to it. Now hang on, we're going somewhere. You know what the danger is for us as God's people? Sometimes we've heard it preached so many times that we just get used to it. 
I saw somebody said one time or wrote somewhere sometime, it said, it's amazing how a weatherman will predict that snow is coming. I'm not talking about a blizzard. I'm talking about North Carolina snow. You know, like a dusting. And the weatherman will predict, not 100%, but the weatherman will say, there's a chance of snow coming. And people go crazy, right? Oh, people panic. I mean, the generators are sold out and the water's gone and the grocery stores, they look like they've been raided. And, and everybody panics because there's going to be an inch or two of snow. Hurricane, you remember last year about this time? Remember that hurricane? Every model, uh, every weather channel, every meteorologist said, it's coming, it's going to get us. Uh, we're going to have 20 inches of rain in 24 hours. It's going to be devastating. And what did we do? We, we panicked. And me too, you know, rightly so. We all did. Didn't hit us. I'm not saying you shouldn't be prepared. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to the weatherman, but here's what I'm saying. A weatherman will make a prediction and everyone will go crazy. A preacher will stand up and say, you better get right with God. A preacher will stand up and say, Jesus is coming back. A preacher will stand up and say, you better stay away from the alcohol. You better stay away from the drugs. You better stay away from that person. You better not listen to that kind of stuff. You better not go to that place. And you know what we do? Maybe not on the outside, but on the inside. Oh. Yeah, whatever. I've heard that one before. I want to tell you what's happened. The plane's still flying over. The train's still rolling through. You've just gotten used to it. And God's people got used to it. It says in verse number 17, Jeremiah said, I've set watchmen over you. They're literally, they're blowing the trumpet and they're warning you. And you just have admitted, we're not going to listen. We will not hearken. Notice verse number 16. Jeremiah pleads with the people from the Lord. And he says, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Can I tell you, God calls for his people to return to the old ways and the old paths. He calls it the good way. And God says, there you will find rest and you will find peace. Now, I'm not suggesting that we have to take down uh, the projectors. I'm not suggesting that we have to turn off the electricity and we have to turn off the microphones. And I'm not suggesting we have to go back to the hard wooden pews. And I'm not saying we're going back to kerosene lanterns. I'm not suggesting any of that stuff. I'm not saying we can't use the radio ministry and we can't use the internet ministry. I'm not saying you can't use a computer or use a cell phone. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But here's what I am saying. It's time that God's people got back to the old way of the Bible. It's time that God's people got back to the old ways of holiness and godliness. It's time that God's people got back to righteousness. It's time that God's people got back to praying and soul winning. It's time that God's people got back to getting a right with God and falling under conviction from the Holy Spirit of God. And it's time that we get back to there because until we do, we will not have peace. Have you ever noticed people that change? And maybe you've got people like this in your family. Maybe you've got dear friends that are like this. But they used to believe the Bible. They used to believe like what I'm preaching. But they don't anymore. 
Here's what happens. They change, but they don't stay where they change. They're constantly changing. You know why they're constantly changing? Because the world's constantly changing. So if somebody got away from what the Bible says and somebody got away from uh, what, what, what the truth is and they said, well, I'm not going to worry about what the truth is. I'm just going to try to keep my distance from the world. Well, that's a moving target. That's not going to stay the same. And the next thing you know, you're going to find yourself way down the road. You're going to find yourself doing things you never thought you'd do. You're going to find yourself going places you never thought you'd go because you got away from what the Bible says. And we must get back to the old paths, the old ways. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about that. But here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living in obedience to God. I'm talking about doing what you're supposed to do because God said so, not because the world approves of it. I'm talking about not worrying about what everybody else thinks. Friend, we've been called as Christians, we've been called to be different. You say, but the people might think we're different. Good, I hope they do. Because we're to stand out like a light in a dark world. We're to be a peculiar people. We're to be different. We're to identify with Christ. I'm talking about resting in the fact that God's word never changes. I'm talking about resting in the fact that God's plan for today is the same as it was 50 years ago or 100 years ago. The church has not changed. Just get back to the book of Acts. You'll find out how the church is supposed to be. But may God help us to get back to the old paths and the old ways. And that is where God says you'll find rest. You'll find peace. In my experience, I have found people that are always changing people that get away from God and they're always changing, there's no rest. There's no peace. You know why? Because when you get away from the Prince of Peace, you're not going to find true peace. When you get away from what this book says, when you get away from the Bible, there's always going to be turmoil. There's always going to be struggle. There's always going to be fighting. There's always going to be pulling because when you get away from the truth, there cannot be peace and there cannot be rest. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.